0: Welcome to the God's Word Gives Hope podcast, where we are passionate about connecting His Word to your life. The podcast provides opportunities to further feed your soul or simply be replenished by listening. We're glad you're here. Hi, welcome back to the God's Word Gives Hope podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Janae. We're so glad to have you with us. Um, First, I just want to say replenish. It was an incredible gift from God. So if you were able to join us, we're so glad that you were there. Um, He loves his women and always goes towards them, especially as we're going towards him. And so if you didn't get a chance to join us for Replenish, uh, don't worry, because I believe God has more in store for the women of Bartow County.
1: And if you are interested in finding out more about Replenish... Feel free to email us at God's Word Gives Hope podcast at gmail.com.
0: So let's go ahead and kick off. Today is part one of our four part Fight Like a Girl series. Janae, what do we expect from this series?
1: The foundation of this series comes from Zechariah chapter 10, and the blog will focus on this chapter and one battle tactic each week amy and i will talk about the battle tactic but focus on a female character in the bible who exhibited
0: the tactic so fun so we will do our first ever bonus episodes also with this series the goal of these bonus episodes is to connect with real women having real struggles and hearing about their walk and the faith that they have in their savior through it all I promise you do not want to miss these bonus episodes. Um, I'm already super excited to hear some of the depth of stories of some of the women that are lined up. So do not miss those. Absolutely. And part of the purpose
1: behind that was just helping us flesh out a little bit in the practical day-to-day spaces of our life, how God's word speaks to us. Mm. And we're going to be talking with someone who's living that out. This week's verse from the blog, comes from Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. And I'm going to read it. Ask the Lord for rain in the spring, for he makes the storm clouds, and he will send showers of rain so every field becomes a lush pasture. The battle tactic this week is called the ask. In my research through different translations, which is one of the things I love to do, Every translation, hands down, every translation began with the word ask. If you have been with us for a little while, you know one of the things I struggle with is depression. When I was in the pit of trying to push through my own on my own, but I couldn't do it any longer, it was the ask. I turned around and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And I asked God for help. And after I asked God for help, things began to turn slowly around for me. I was diagnosed with SAD SAD, which is seasonal attentive disorder. Um, that is slightly an ironic name for that. I know. Like I've
0: never heard that it Put actually it that way. <laughs> I know,
1: it drives me crazy. <laughs> um but um I was slip, slipping into a chemical depression every year around November and did not pull out of it until about April or May. So with this knowledge, I began to pray and ask God to make me a fighter because I knew I was going to have to fight this every year. I was going to be in a fight for my mental health, right? Zechariah chapter 10 was one of the pieces God gave me. So God invites us to ask him for help and Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, when he said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open." So fighting the battle, the winning, the ins and outs, all the pieces, it all begins with the ask. And in the blog, I capitalize the ask to emphasize the who, who we are asking. is not just anybody. We are starting with the ask, and it is asking God in particular for help. So Amy, we are going to be talking about a woman in the Bible who did just that. So who is it?
0: Okay. It's one of my favorite characters from the Bible. It's probably the person that I dressed up all the time as at the trunk or treats. you know, growing up in the (laughs) Baptist church. I'm talking about Esther. Um, If you haven't read the book of Esther, you absolutely need to. It is a rich and incredible book, but it isn't easy. It's about this woman who starts in these lowly circumstances and ends up the queen of Persia, which is like the known world basically at that time but not without experiencing some deep and very difficult issues along the way. Um, her name is Hadassah at the beginning, and she she loses her parents at a young age. She's raised by her cousin Mordecai. She most likely gets taken to be a part of a program that she'd probably want nothing to do with when the king is looking for a new queen. Because once you're taken into a king's harem, you don't just get to leave. You're there forever, which probably means no husband, no children, No life that she was planning for herself if he doesn't choose you. And then even after she becomes queen, there is an enemy who wants to kill her. He doesn't know that he wants to kill her. The guy's name is Haman. He is the big bad guy of this story. Um, But he wants to wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth. And this is where I want us to start kind of digging into the word. So Janae, why don't you pick us up in chapter 4? All right, so if you
1: are familiar with Esther, I encourage you to listen with fresh ears today. You are the one who is in the battle, whether you are fighting for your life, for those you love, a relationship, finances, your marriage. But we know there is something that you are in currently right now, or maybe you're coming out of it. The battle may be just around the corner. So listen with fresh ears to what we can learn from Esther when we are in the throes of battle. So here's the scene. Mordecai has heard about the permission given to Haman on a certain day. It is open season on the Jewish people. Kill them all. And Mordecai is sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And when Esther finds out he is in mourning, she asks, what is going on? And he tells her about the plot against her people and that she needs to do something about it. We pick up with Esther speaking in chapter 4, verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. Mordecai responds in verse 13. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my young women will also fast as you do then i will go to the king though it is against the law and if i perish i perish
0: you know i think the such a time as this is something that i mean i see it all the, all over the place what if you're in here for such a time as this do you know the part that i don't see added to the t-shirts and the journals and if i perish i perish yes this is a very weighty. Mordecai isn't saying, God probably has you here and and yay, you get to save everybody. He's saying, God has maneuvered this so that you are in a place of rescue at potential great cost. It's a hard truth. So here we find Esther,
1: basically in a double jeopardy, if you will, with the ask. She has to put herself at risk and go before the king to ask to save her and her people. She faces death on every side, but her first go-to is the ask. And she wants everyone else to ask with her. So to ask the almighty king for his favor before she goes before the earthly king. But Amy, this type of ask of God was super intense and it was intentional. She wasn't just asking for prayer on her behalf. It was a fasting prayer.
0: So when or why would we want to fast with our ask? Well, I I love that question. Um, First, the Bible talks a lot about fasting. And when it talks about it, it doesn't say if, but it does say when. And so in our culture today, especially the way that we've become so about pleasing ourselves, this idea of fasting has kind of fallen away. But fasting is a way of submitting ourselves so completely to the Lord. And there are times where we're called to fast on our own, but also there are times where we are impressed to invite others along like Esther was doing. It could be that you and your family are fasting and praying for direction with a difficult decision, Um, It could be that you have a child who's gone outside the will of the Father, and so you ask your people who know and love this child, will you join me? And we seek God together intentionally, laying aside anything that could be a distraction right now and choosing to fast. I don't believe that every ask has a fasting component because Jesus didn't model that. Um, But we do see him fast pretty often. I think it has to do with the call from the Lord, and the burden that you are asking about. In fact, it makes me think of a story in the New Testament. The disciples are out, and they're healing the sick, and they're casting out demons. And this desperate father comes up to them, asking them to cast the demon out of his son. Now, this demon is violent. It is constantly trying to end the life of this child. And as a parent, just closing my eyes right now, I think that would be the worst, most devastating experience for that parent. And so he sees these disciples doing these things and he goes to them and they can't cast it out. But Jesus comes on the scene right at the right time and he is able to cast out that demon. And when the disciples say, why couldn't we do it? In Matthew 17, 21, we are told that this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. So what that tells me is that Jesus was fasting before that experience um, and he was intentionally spending that kind of time with the father. So sometimes fasting is something that we're impressed to do before something's going to happen or as we're going and walking through this ask and seeking God. So, Janae, the short answer to your question is we fast because we're called to sometimes by Scripture, and we feel the heaviness of that ask, and it's another way to submit ourselves to God. Right. So when we
1: are facing a
0: decision, we need a change in our
1: situation. Our go-to needs to be prayer prayer. And asking God, because if we don't ask for his intervention, his help, we will surely fail and the outcome will not be favorable. And in some cases, fasting can be a part of that prayer. Well, in Second Chronicles 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will hear their land. Fasting is a way of humbling ourselves. But prayer in itself is an act of humility because we're, we're putting ourselves in a position of surrender. You know, we're setting aside our own self-sufficiency and we, we recognize the need for God in our lives. Now, Esther would have had knowledge of this scripture and the importance of asking God. The fact that this was her response, it was her go-to, is a sign that she had faith in the power of prayer to affect the outcome of her going before the king. The great thing about prayer is we do it, we can do it anywhere, we can do it anytime. It's not isolated to certain conditions. We can do it out loud, we can do it quietly in our hearts, but the important thing is that we do the ask, we ask God for help. And we surrender and turn to him. We don't know where you are in your current situation. But I'm wondering if you have asked God for help. And if you haven't, we encourage you right now, just push pause. Push pause. Get on your knees and ask God to help. Or if you're driving your car and you're listening, don't close your eyes. But you can still push pause and and ask him to help and intervene
0: however you need him to intervene. And the beautiful thing is we serve a faithful savior. God is faithful and his mercies are new every morning. So go to him because he is there waiting. So even though we don't have time to go into all the details, the overview of Esther's ask and the result of that is she does go before the king and she is not killed. He does hold out the scepter to her. And he says, what do you want, Esther? And in her wisdom, she quietly asked for dinner with the king and with Haman, the one who was against the Jewish people. And then at the dinner, she's still, she is fully submitting herself to God. And at the dinner, the king says, Esther, up to half my kingdom, what do you want from me? And I I would probably have blundered it the first time and been like, just, and she said, Will you, do another, will you come again tomorrow night? I would like to prepare another banquet for you. And guys, I don't understand the pause and the wait and the dinner. I understand not maybe blurting things out in the middle of the um, throne room, putting the king in a really hard position. I think the dinner smart. Smaller group, smaller people, the king and Haman. But the second dinner, we just have to trust that is God's leading of her. Then at the second dinner, when the king says, Esther, what do you want? She humbly says, I ask for my life and the life of my people. And the king immediately is incensed. Who would threaten his queen? And at that point, the gig is up for Haman. Um, he ends up hung on gallows that he had planned for Mordecai, Esther's cousin. Listen, if you have not read this book, I am just giving you highlights. Please take the time and go dig in because even though. This is a book that doesn't even mention the name of God once. His fingerprints are all over the pages. And the way that Esther responds to things is such a godly example of how to walk through hardship and difficulty. So those are just the highlights. But you've got to go read the book.
1: Yes, and I think it's a beautiful example of how prayer does prepare. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. But prayer plays an important role if we will invite God
0: and ask Him into our situation. So that's the end of the podcast. But remember, we're going to have a bonus episode drop this week. And I cannot wait for you to hear the story of the woman who is going to be sharing. Um, In this episode, we are featuring... I'm actually not going to tell you her name. um, But I will tell you that you have to listen and that the story... You'll be able to, you know, connect with it, and it will encourage you in ways that you cannot even imagine. And as always, we appreciate your like, your reviews, your shares, telling others about this blog and podcast so that they can be encouraged. Now, I'm going to leave you with a verse from Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help In time of need. The connecting doesn't have to stop here. We would love to have you join us at the God's Word Gives Hope blog to go deeper with the verse we discussed today. If you would like to learn more about life and leadership coaching with Janae, visit JanaeShatleyCamp.com. Finally, we would love a chance to talk with you more. Find us on Instagram or Facebook. All of these links are posted in the About Us on our podcast.